I know the back to school thing, it just threw everybody for a loop. Like, is it really that time already? I can tell you that it is that time because um, just this weekend, I walked into a store, I handed the sales clerk my wallet, and I just walked out and I just left. Um, that's that's kind of, as, as a parent, um, you know, two school-age kids, it's just kind of what happens, you know. Uh, why do we need 96 pencils for the school year? I have no idea. Um, pre-sharpened Ticonderoga, they even give you the specific brand. Um, I, I think that they are, um, you know, utilizing like trained beavers to carve these trees down that are in some sort of gold-plated forest somewhere to, you know, turn them into these pencils. It's ridiculous the amount of money that we have to spend, but um, I'm excited about school, excited about the back-to-school blessing. It's going to be a great time together, uh, praying over our students, teachers, faculty, and staff. It's going to be really cool um, here in a couple weeks. Uh, We've made it. Week four of our series, Erased, where we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And so if you've got your Bible or a smart device and um, you would like to turn with me or swipe with me, we're going to land in just a minute in the book of Galatians chapter five. Now the Bible is divided up into these two big, big sections, big chunks. The first is the Old Testament. And then the second is called the New Testament. And Galatians is somewhere near the middle of the New Testament. It was actually, as is about half of the New Testament written by the apostle Paul. And it was his letter to the church in Galatia. And that's why they call it Galatians. So Galatians chapter five, we're going to land there in a moment. Um, as I said, we're in week four of our series, Erased on the Holy Spirit. So all the way back, if you can remember that far to week one, we talked about the promise of the Holy Spirit. And, that, and we learned that in our pursuit of God, we can either settle for mediocrity or we can strive for more. And then in week two, we talked about the presence of the Holy Spirit and that for you and for me, in order for us to enter in to the presence of the Holy Spirit, we just simply have to lean in, that the Holy Spirit's presence is all around us and it's waiting on us to make the move to enter in to that presence. So we just lean in. And then last week we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about this idea that power is pointless unless you plug in. And so today we're going to close out our series by talking about the product of the Holy Spirit, the product of the Holy Spirit. Um, a few days ago, I was reading this story about a farmer and he was standing on his front porch and he was surveying his property. And he noticed that over here, very, very near to his house on this edge of his property, there was an unsightly old landfill. And then his, his field stretched out all the way down into the, the lower 40. And, and he saw this, this stream that was fed um, from the mountains that, that came down and, and ran alongside the lower part of his fields. And they actually provided the irrigation for much of his fields. And, and so the farmer decided, I want to enhance my property a little bit. So he decided he was going to plant a couple trees. And so um, on, on this side, very near to his house, he planted a tree to serve as a hedge so that he would no longer have to look at that unsightly landfill. And then on this end, at, at the lower part of his property, he planted, a, he, he planted another tree um, down by the stream so that after a hard day's work, he could go and, and find respite in the shade of the tree by the, by the stream and, and draw a, a cup of cool water and sit there and rest and relax. And it wasn't very long until the trees began to, to grow and they began to flower and produce fruit. And one day he was on his porch once again and he was surveying his property and he noticed that 
each tree that the fruit was ripe for picking. And so the one being closest to his house that was hiding that ugly, unsightly landfill, he decided to go and take some of the fruit and bring it back for a snack. Later on the afternoon, he got some of the fruit out and went out to his front porch and he noticed that it was a little bit irregular and wasn't quite sure about it, but it seemed like it was okay to eat. And so he bit into it and it was very bitter and even unedible. And so he, he threw it to the side and instead he went to the lower portion of his property to the other tree. And he reached up and he picked a piece of fruit off of that, the one by that mountain stream. And he took a bite of it and he realized that it was sweet and delicious and good to eat. And so he picked several more pieces and took them back to his house for him to enjoy later on. You know, we can learn a lesson from this farmer and his predicament with these two trees. See, the one that was by the landfill produced irregular and bitter, unedible fruit. But the one that was by the cool mountain stream produced sweet, delicious, juicy fruit that was good to eat. The key takeaway that we get from this Simply put, our root determines our fruit. Our root determines our fruit. See, the, 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 the roots that were in the tree that was by the landfill, they had become tainted. The nutritional value of the earth there because of all the garbage that had been placed into the soil year after year, decade after decade had seeped into the tree and caused the fruit to become nasty. But, but down here on this side, the, the tree that was planted by the rivers of living water, it, it soaked up that water and the nutrients of the soil and it was able to produce something that was beautiful, that was, that was tasty, and that was good for the body. And this is what I've come to discover, is that any time in my life, I don't know if this is true for you, but, but it is for me that when I get up and I look in the mirror and I see something going on in my life, I see fruit that is being born in my life, that is being produced in my life that isn't something that I like, I can trace it back to a place where my roots have been grounded in something that they should have never been grounded in in the first place. That the roots that are producing that fruit come out of something, an area in my life that is unhealthy and needs to be dealt with because our root determines our fruit. The things that we are connected to determine the things that we are going to produce. And so in Galatians 5, Paul actually talks about this very thing. Like I said before, this is Paul's letter to the church in Galatia. And just to give us a little bit of context, you and I, we need to understand that, that Paul is writing this to an audience that, yes, they are a church. Yes, these are believers, but they come predominantly from uh, the context of a culture that was steeped in, in hedonism or, or steeped in, in paganism, that, that they served these, these false gods, that they were polytheistic. That means they served many gods rather than monotheistic like, like Christians, that we serve the one true God, that they were, they were hedonistic in, in, in terms of the fact that, that the lives that they lived were simply lived to please themselves, that they were just in it for what appealed to them, what felt good to them, what worked for them. And so this is something that, that they have come out of to form this church in Galatia as this group of believers. And so Paul is writing to them to encourage them and, and to admonish them and, and to help them in their walk with the Lord. 
And he writes this in in chapter five, starting in verse 16. Paul says, so I tell you, live by following the spirit. Then you will not do what your sinful selves want. Our sinful selves want what is against the spirit and the spirit wants what is against our sinful selves. The two are against each other. So you cannot do just what you please. But if the spirit is leading you, you are not under the law. So Paul is recognizing something that would have been um, uh, very prevalent in this culture for those people that had stepped into faith in Jesus Christ. There is a tug of war that is taking place here. There, there is, is this, this longstanding culture, the way that these people were raised, the, the culture in, in which they were accustomed to that would have said, just do what feels good to you, please your sinful self. But then because they had stepped into faith in Christ, there was this aspect of you can no longer live for your sinful self. Instead, now you live for Jesus. And so there's a tug of war going on back and forth. It's kind of like sometimes you've seen like in TV shows or, or in movies, it's the angel on one shoulder and the, the little devil or the demon on the other shoulder um, trying to persuade the person one way or the other to make a choice that's going to move them in this direction or to make a choice that's going to move them in this direction. And, and oftentimes as believers, we find ourselves being pulled back and forth because there are the things that we know we should do in accordance with God and in accordance with his scriptures, but that is is juxtaposed with the things that we want to do, which is our natural bent is to always kind of find ourselves to go back to that sinful self that we were born into. And so Paul is recognizing that the people in the church at Galatia, that they are being pulled back and forth. So he's writing this to encourage them and to show them, hey, you can do this. Here's what's happening. You're in this tug of war, but I want you to make a conscious decision, an effort to be intentional about denying the sinful self and choosing the things that are of God in accordance with life in the spirit. All right. So that's the beginning of this passage. And that's how we set it up for today. Verse 19, Paul goes on to, to help them a little bit to, to uncover some of the things or, or help them discover some of the things in their life that may be leading them back to this lifestyle of their old sinful self. And he says, the wrong things the sinful self does are clear. And then he lists them being sexually unfaithful, not being pure, taking part in sexual sins, worshiping gods, little g, not the big G, doing witchcraft, hating, making trouble, being jealous, being angry, being selfish, making people angry with each other, causing divisions among people, feeling envy, being drunk, having wild and wasteful parties and doing other things like these. Make note that this is in the church, Paul's addressing. And you know what? This is 2000 years ago. Dare I say that not much has changed. Sometimes we struggle. We find ourselves in, in the Christian circle, in the church circle. And a lot of people, a lot of people have, have turned their back on following Christ because when they get in the church, they've discovered it's not much different than being outside of the church. We talked about that 
last week. And Paul is saying, this, this is not an exhaustive list. It's even, even things like this. Like, and so if, if, I, if I read that list to you, or you read that list that, that Paul is, is um, writing to the Galatians, and, and you get a check in your spirit, and you ask a question, but what about fill in the blank? I guarantee you that's what he's talking about when he says, and things like this, if you have to ask, is it sin? It probably is. All right. So Paul is, he's putting to rest there at the end and anything like these, even, even associated, even akin to these, that, that they share any, any part of the same kind of fabric. What Paul is doing, he's closing the loophole. He's closing the loophole and he, he's saying, he's saying these things do not belong in the life of a spirit led believer. He goes on to say, I warn you now, as I warned you before, those who do these things will not inherit God's kingdom. Man, that's some pretty steep talk. Don't get mad at me. I didn't say it. I didn't write it. I'm just reading what Paul wrote. Okay. If, if you're upset, you can go and take it up with him, um, which might be difficult. Uh, he's been dead a while. So these are issues that are taking place in the church. And not only is this Paul's first admonition of these issues, it's his second warning to them. I warn you now as I warned you before. And so he's saying, look out for these things in your life and the way that you live. This is, this is fruit that you do not want to produce. These are things that you're looking for that if these things are present, it's an indicator that you're leaning more into your sinful self rather than into the spirit. That if, the, if this is the fruit that you're developing, then maybe you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. You know, you got to get back over and moving in line with the Holy Spirit. Because he says, Any, anybody who practices these things, will not inherit God's kingdom. All right, so, so that term God's kingdom, what's he talking about there? Well, uh, simply put, he's talking about heaven. He's talking about everlasting life. In essence, what Paul is communicating here is that the end result for those that practice these kinds of behaviors, knowingly and willingly, that the end result is death. It's hell, it's separation from Jesus Christ for all of eternity. So we need to sit up as believers, as the body of Christ, and we need to look and pay attention. And maybe there's some people here that maybe you're not a believer. That's okay. I'm so glad that you're here. This is a place where you don't have to believe to belong. And we're glad that you're here, but, but you need to take note of this as well, that, that Paul is not just writing to these people inside this church. He's writing this letter to you. And he's saying for those of you that, that live in such a way that it's going to end up resulting in death for you. And there is a better way for you to live. You don't have to succumb to those things. You can rise above living life in accordance with your sinful self that the Holy Spirit came so that we could live that kind of life, to rise above those sins and so that we would not have to pay the penalty of those that through our life in Christ, we can be forgiven of those sins and achieve life everlasting. But it means that we've got to turn our back on that old sinful way and start to live in accordance with the spirit. That's what Paul is talking about right here. Verse 22, he says, but, and I always take note whenever the word but is present in scripture. 
Not because I'm, you know, a third grader in my mind, not that kind of but, um, but because whenever it says but, you know that there, there's a, a major contrast that is happening. You know, we have three conjunctions, and, but, and or, all right? Or is these things are alike. And is these things can be added together. When you see but, you know that one of these things is not like the other. One of these things is different than the other. So anytime you see the word but, you need to know that something different, there's a change, there's a tweak that is taking place. All right. And so that's what Paul is writing about here. He's saying these are the things that are produced, the result of the sinful self. But here's the difference. The fruit that the spirit produces is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law that says these things are wrong. Whether you're a believer or not, everybody can appreciate love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their own sinful selves. They have given up their old selfish feelings and the evil things that they wanted to do. And we get our new life from the Spirit. So we should follow the Spirit. So what Paul is saying here is, is he, he's saying that, that whenever we become believers in Jesus Christ, it's as if we are taking on his crucifixion, him dying on the cross. We are taking that into our hearts and, and onto our own bodies, which means he died on the cross for sin to defeat sin. And so when we accept Christ, we take that onto ourselves and we too, like Christ, following his example, we turn our back on that old sinful way that we used to live. So they've given up their old selfish feelings according to these are the things that I want, the things that make me feel good, the evil things that we wanted to do. And instead, they realize that they get their new life from the Holy Spirit. So we should then, the, the result that Paul gets to is that because of this, we should then follow the Spirit. What Paul is doing here is he's both applauding the decisions that they have made to turn away from their former selves, but he's also admonishing them to continue in this new way of life in the spirit. And in doing so, he introduces the concept of the fruit of the spirit as these, this list of Christian virtues as, as a checklist to help these believers determine whether or not they are on the right track with living in accordance with the Holy Spirit. You want to put your finger on the pulse of whether or not you're choosing life in the spirit, that you're making decisions based on life in the spirit. Look at your own life. Look at yourself in the mirror. Is love being displayed? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If those things are present, that would be an indicator 
that yes, you are living in accordance with the Holy Spirit. But if those things are not present and you find certain areas of your life that are lacking in one or more of those categories, then that is an indicator of where you need to realign that part of your life with the Holy Spirit in order to produce that fruit rather than the fruit of your old sinful self. All right. So Fuchsia Pickett, she is a, a, a Bible scholar and author. She said this, she said, the fruit of the spirit is the character of Christ produced by the spirit of Christ in the believer's life. The fruit of the spirit is the character of Christ produced by the spirit of Christ in the believer's life. So what is this character of Christ? Well, I think it could be summed up in that very first fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is, what's the first one? Love. That is the character of Christ. And it is out of the overflow of Christ's love in our lives that we are able to both obtain and put into practice the rest of the fruit of the spirit. It is out of Christ's love that we are able to have joy. It is out of the overflow of Christ's love that we are able to have peace. It is out of the overflow of Christ's love that we are able to have patience. It is out of the overflow of Christ's love that you and I are able to be kind and to be good and to be faithful and to be gentle. It is out of the overflow of Christ's love working in us that we are able to have self-control to say no to the things that we need to say no to and to say yes to the things that are in accordance with the Spirit. It is out of the overflow of Christ's love working in and through it. So at the root of all of the fruit of the spirit, we come back to love as the overarching piece of this fruit of the spirit out of which all of the rest of them flow. Listen to some other passages, some other things that the Bible says about this concept of love. First John 4, 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love by his very nature. That's who God is. First Corinthians 13, one through three. I may speak in different languages of people or even angels, but if I do not have love, I'm only a noisy bell or a crashing cymbal. I may have the gift of prophecy. I may understand all the secret things of God and have all knowledge. And I may have faith so great that I can move mountains. But even with all these things, if I do not have love, then I am nothing. I may give away everything that I have. And I may even give my body as an offering to be burned. But I gain nothing if I do not have love. You know what? I've come into contact with a lot of people within the church that they're very spiritual. Very, like, just ask them. They're the most spiritual person in the room. If you don't believe them, ask them. They'll tell you all about it. But yet they're missing one crucial aspect, love. They, they walk the walk, you know, like it's, it's, it's present. Like they know the things to do. They know the things to say. But when it comes down to it, when you get them in a pressure situation that, that they get squeezed a little bit, they face a little bit of adversity, then what's truly on the inside starts to come out. And if that's love that's coming out of those people, then I want no part of it. 
We can claim to be spiritual. We can show up on Sunday in our, in our Sunday best and we can carry our Bible under our arm and, and we can say all the glory to God and praise ye the Lord and all that stuff. But if we have not love being produced in our life, it's worthless. It all comes back to love. In, in John, Jesus says, I give you a new command. Love each other. You must love each other as I have loved you. All people will know that you are my followers if you love each other. It's that old saying, you'll know a tree by its fruit, right? We go up to a tree and if apples are growing on it, we go, oh, that's an apple tree. We walk up to a tree, if oranges are growing on it, oh, this must be an orange tree. You know, you don't need a college degree to figure that out. In the same way, people are going to know that we are Christ's followers if we are producing love in our life. Simply put, the product of the Holy Spirit is love. That's how we know that we are living the Spirit-filled life, a life that is in alignment with the Holy Spirit. If, if love is being produced, and if love is being produced, then out of that love, we're going to get joy and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. You, you can't help, you can't help but have that to happen. If you're pursuing God, and living in accordance with His Spirit, and love is being produced out of the overflow of that love, the rest of the fruit of the Spirit are going to develop and be evident in the life of the believer. So I know what you're thinking, how do I develop the fruit of the Spirit, right? You ask such good questions. How do I develop the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Well, it's, it's three simple things, really, and, and it comes to us out of um, the Gospel of John chapter 15. You can turn with me there if you'd like to really quick. Maybe you're taking notes. You want to write these three things down. How do we develop the fruit of the Spirit? First, we got to connect. You got to connect to the Holy Spirit. If you're going to develop the fruit of the Spirit in your life, you've got to be connected. John 15, verse one, and then verse four, Jesus says, I am the true vine. Remain in me and I will remain in you. A branch cannot produce fruit alone, but must remain in the vine. In the same way, you cannot produce fruit alone, but must remain in me. The only way that we are ever going to be able to produce fruit in our life, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, is going to be if we are connected to God through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. If that connection is severed, it is impossible, according to Jesus' words right here, it is impossible for us to develop that kind of fruit if we are not connected to God. Him. So the first thing we got to do is we got to connect. We got to connect. The second thing, if we're going to develop the fruit of the Spirit in our life, not only do we have to connect, but we also have to confide. Confide means to place one's hope in or to put one's trust in. Continuing on in John chapter 15 with verses 5 through 8, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If any remain in me, and I remain in them, they produce much fruit. But without me, they can do nothing. 
If any do not remain in me, they are like a branch that is thrown away and then dies. People pick up dead branches, throw them into the fire and burn them. If you remain in me and follow my teachings, you can ask anything you want and it will be given to you. You should produce much fruit and show that you are my followers, which brings glory to my father. Verse seven holds the key right there to confiding. If you remain in me and follow my teachings, that you've connected to God, but then you're also doing what he says. You're putting your hope and your trust in the things that he says, and you're obeying those commands because you're, what you're doing is when you obey somebody, you're saying, I recognize that your way is the best way for me. And in order for you to obey somebody, you've got to trust them. You've got to trust that their way is the best. And so if you're going to confide in the Lord, then that means that you have to obey his teachings. You have to come to the place where you realize his way for you to live is the best way. And I believe that it is God's way, the Bible's way. Living a life that is in accordance with the principles of the scriptures is the best way for us to live. So we obey his teachings, we follow his teachings, and then people will know that we are his followers by the fruit that is being produced in our life because we've chosen not only to connect, you can have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, but then choose not to live in accordance with it. We don't just connect with the Holy Spirit, then we confide in the Holy Spirit and we live, we obey, we do the things that are in accordance with what God's word teaches. So first we connect, then we confide. The third thing, we continue. Connect, confide, continue. John 15, nine, Jesus says, I loved you as the father loved me. Now remain in my love. I've obeyed the Father's command and I remain in his love. In the same way, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. He uses that word remain a lot. To stay put, you remain. We connect to the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. We confide by, by exercising the power of the Holy Spirit in our life so that we can live in accordance with God and His Word. And then we continue by every single day obeying His commandments, doing what He says, living for Him, putting Him first, staying in His presence, and we continue over and over and over. And that means that we continue, we remain in Him and in His love. And then the fruit of His love is produced in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the presence of the Holy Spirit that we are enveloped in. And then out of that love flows joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And then the world will look at us and they will see that person is a follower of Jesus Christ. Because you know a tree by its fruit. And our root is what determines our fruit. The things that we are connected to, the things that we are grounded in, 
are going to determine the fruit that we produce in our life. Here's the thing, you're going to produce fruit one way or the other. My question is, what fruit is it going to be? Are you gonna produce fruit that's bitter and irregular and inedible? Are you going to produce the kind of fruit that doesn't just give life to you, but it gives life to others around you? I think that's what God is calling us to today. But we can't expect to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our life if first we don't have our roots grounded deeply in the Spirit Himself. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Blake, I've never really had a connection with the Holy Spirit before. That's okay. I'm here to tell you that today can be your day because whether you realize it or not, the Holy Spirit is here with us in this place. And to have a connection with Him, we simply must lean in, open ourselves to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that the Lord wants to take place in our lives. Or maybe you're here today and, and, and you would say, you know, Pastor Blake, I, I've connected with the Holy Spirit previously. I, I've had an encounter once or, or twice or several times, but I've never gotten to the place where I've truly confided in the Holy Spirit. Today, you can make that choice. That I'm no longer going to live in accordance with the things that feed my desires and my pleasures, the things that make me feel good. Instead, I'm going to turn my back on that old sinful self and I'm gonna lean into the Holy Spirit once again, but not just for a connection. I'm going to lean into the Holy Spirit and put my faith and my hope and my trust and I'm going to start living in such a way that honors God and that obeys his commands because I've recognized that that's truly the best way for me to live. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Blake, I've connected with the Holy Spirit. I've, I've confided in the Holy Spirit, but there's some areas in my life that here lately I've just let slip. One or two things have just kind of gotten out of whack and I, I, I've gotten off track and, and I need to come back to continue. I'm ready to continue in the Holy Spirit, to remain in the Holy Spirit so that others will know that I'm truly a follower of Christ because I want the fruit of the Spirit to be produced and evident in every single aspect of my life. If you fit one of those three categories today, then in just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to come down for prayer. We're gonna pray a very simple prayer today. This isn't to trick anybody. This isn't to, to water it down. It really is this simple, this easy. It's gonna be on the screen behind me. And the prayer is this. If you fit one of those criteria today and you're ready for the Holy Spirit to do something in your life, you wanna be filled full of the Holy Spirit to take that next step of faith as you connect and confide and continue in the presence of the Lord. And coming forward, I, I just want you to pray this simple prayer. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to come into my life. I want everything you have for me. 
I receive this by faith in Jesus Christ. It really is that simple. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He's not gonna force his way into a place where he's not wanted. But if you want him to come into your life today, all you have to say is, Holy Spirit, I invite you. Come into my life. I want everything that you have for me. And then by faith, I receive this in the name of Jesus Christ. In just a moment, I'm gonna invite you to come down here and I wanna anoint you with oil. There's nothing really special about this oil. Just some olive oil with some some spices and stuff in it. But in the Old Testament, the the prophets would go and, and, and they would anoint people with oil to become the next king of a nation they would recognize that this person is is someone who's being set apart for a great work. And so in other other ways, they they would anoint people for for healing. You would take this oil and like if you had a burn or or, or there was, they they would put it on like it has healing properties. So they believed that this, this oil, that as they would anoint people, that it would set people apart, that it recognized them as different than other people. And so today I'm just going to simply just, I just wanna just touch you on the forehead with this oil. And that's signifying that you are being consecrated. You're being set apart for something special. This is not just some run of the mill thing. We are talking about opening our lives to the Holy Spirit, the very nature of God and inviting him to come and indwell us. So I just wanna anoint you with oil, that you would be consecrated, that you would be set apart for this special work that God is wanting to do in and through your life. So as you come forward, we're just gonna, I just want you to pray that prayer that's on the screen. And the band is gonna, they're gonna come in, they're gonna play, they're gonna lead us in worship. And what we're gonna do is just, all across the front of this house. If that's you, I just want you to line up shoulder to shoulder. We can go two or three deep if we need to. And one by one, Sarah and I, we're just gonna come alongside you. And I'm gonna anoint you to receive the Holy Spirit. And then I'm gonna step out of the way and I'm gonna let the Holy Spirit minister to you in the way that He sees fit, whatever that looks like. But first, it's gonna take you coming to the place where you say, I invite you into my life. I want everything that you have for me. And then I take and I receive this by faith in Jesus Christ. If that's you today, looking to connect, to confide, or to continue in the Holy Spirit, then as the man plays, would you come and be anointed?